0: There are existing laws and we have to fit these crypto projects into the existing framework. I'm hearing a different thing coming out of the SEC every other week. What clarity do
1: we have, if any, about where blockchain related companies stand in America?
0: The SEC is exerting jurisdiction in Austria. They just shut down one broker. So if you're selling to an American, the SEC has jurisdiction over that. You have to block Americans from your project if you're going to block the SEC. You, know rappers like
1: rock chain. you are listening to Bitcoin, blockchain and the technologies of our future with Naomi Brockwell. I'm here in Mexico on the Contra Cruz with Sasha Hodder, who is an expert in crypto law, works as a crypto lawyer. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Oh, Naomi, thank you. I've been a fan for a long time. And it turns out, so we actually met for the first time at Coins in the Kingdom 2014, which was an awesome uh, Bitcoin conference then. And we, we only just realized this when we met again on this trip. So pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: and I've
1: been following your quiz show and uh, it's great. So maybe you'll come on and you'll be able to answer all the law questions. I have a lot of law questions for you today. So first of all, like, what kind of clients do you represent?
0: Well, it's a pretty broad spectrum, but they all have one thing in common. They're doing a cryptocurrency-related project, so some are doing initial coin offerings and some are working on the money transmission side, um, but usually, and some don't have a token, but they're uh, writing software and selling that to other companies that need their, uh, their software. So.
1: What are the biggest issues people have when they come to you? Is it that
0: they don't understand the regulatory framework? Yeah, (laughs) the regulatory framework is not an easy thing to understand. And a lot of them think that crypto has no regulation and it's this kind of Wild West environment. And that's really not the case. Um, There are existing laws and we have to fit these crypto projects into the existing framework. And uh, that's where, I guess, um, you know, the legal side comes into play so if it's if it's a company doing an ICO I I there are attorneys out there that still believe you can do a utility token in America but I'm not one of them and I think I've probably given up a lot of uh, opportunity to work with companies because of that stance but uh, I've, I've written I've responded to the SEC subpoenas for a few clients and they're not playing around so I only will do an ICO for someone if we do it as a regulation D or regulation crowdfunding or regulation S and uh, those fall within, you're, you're completely legal doing it because you're selling them as securities, but the challenge is there's not really a great secondary market after the one year holding period is up for, uh, for these tokens, but I think those are being built right now. Being classed as regulation, D,
1: C, F, S, is that, they, they're, the, they're the three. Um, so that means that they're only available to accredited investors in America?
0: No, um, there's there's actually quite a bit of uh, opportunity for non-accredited investors to come in through regulation crowdfunding, which is something that was put forth through the uh, Obama administration in the Jobs Act, where non-accredited investors can participate in um, these offerings, but they can only invest up to two thousand five hundred dollars if their income is less than a hundred grand, and they can put up to five hundred thousand if their income is up to is in the hundred to $200,000 hundred thousand range, so uh, it and the company can only raise one million seventy thousand okay. dollars, and it has to be done through a regulated crowdfunding portal. It's regulated by Finra. I actually opened one of these uh, portals. It was one of thirteen to get um, the Finra license. So there are only thirteen that exist,
1: and they're the the regular ones you hear of, the Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and you have
0: one of those. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Not any well well build back up. <laughs> I helped start it, but uh, I dropped out of it uh, and my two business partners continued to run it until a few months ago. But it, it let me know the rules pretty uh, closely of what's involved to become one of these regulated portals and Start Engine is kind of the only one that's working in the crypto space. In America,
1: it seems that the regulatory framework is really complicated. I'm hearing a different thing coming out of the SEC every other week. The you know, SEC chairman are all kind of fighting amongst themselves about this. So like, what clarity do we have, if any, about where blockchain related companies stand in America?
0: Well, after the um, June 14th Director Hinman speech about Ethereum being sufficiently decentralized to no longer be a security, I think that kind of put a lot of people on a path thinking oh well if my project is sufficiently decentralized then it wouldn't fall into the howey test which looks at whether the efforts of a third party are what are going to generate the profit so it's it's i think very unclear and not safe to rely on just those comments to say oh we're outside of the howey test because we also have about I think there's about six cases now. Um, It started with the Munchie case. Well, it started with the Dow, where they said the Dow was a security and then they didn't prosecute anyone on that and then in the munchie case they gave a beautiful analysis of what munchie did wrong in terms of spouting out that they would have profits you know a thousand percent profit i think was one youtube video and uh... they went through you know all the facts and applied them to the howie test and gave i think a pretty clear indication that that's how they're gonna look at everything going forward and that was in december and then uh, they had a few more. We saw Centra, which was just a complete, um, a complete scam coin. Basically, there were a ton of lies. So they were—they're getting criminally charged for making materially misleading statements. Um, they, in that case, they put fake people in their white paper. They said that they had deals with Visa and Mastercard that were completely bogus. So that one's an easy one for that. You know, that's a low-hanging fruit. But then came along um, Tomahawk case where they said that one was airdropped, not sold. So that was a, a funny one because it said that because Tomahawk promised, and Tomahawk is a gold company that was on, I believe they're a pink sheet uh, okay. stock. So they said that their tokens that were being airdropped could be converted into their stock at a later time. So that's what made that a security, and that changed kind of the analysis or the framework because a lot of people were thinking if you can airdrop them, then you're okay, you get around these securities laws. Um, And then recently the uh, CFTC um, and the SEC have kind of, I always considered them as two separate entities, but it turns out the CFTC regulates all of it and the SEC is like a one division of the CFTC. And uh, so that was that came out, and I can't remember offhand the name of the case, but that was last month. Um, there was a new one. So I think going forward, unless you start out, you have lots of time leading up to your project, and you do a no-action letter, and you go and get the SEC to look at your specific situation and tell you that no, this is not going to be a security. It's going to be a CFT, like a sorry, a commodity, which would fall under the CFTC's side. And in that side, you just have to make sure you're not doing any fraudulent statements is the main thing. Market manipulation and fraud is what they're looking for. Um, Otherwise, you follow. So we discussed briefly regulated regulation crowdfunding, but there's also regulation D where you can raise an unlimited amount of money from accredited investors. And that's what I think a lot of companies have kind of uh, started to do in the last six months or so. And uh, that one, you still have to wait a year for the tokens to be resold on the secondary market. So, you can raise any amount of money. You can sell them to accredited investors. Then, with after a year. Th- th- there will be security tokens, so they can't be sold on Bittrex or Binance or a non-SEC compliant exchange.
1: So what about um, decentralized exchanges? Can they be stopped
0: from going onto those? No, I don't think so. Okay. I uh, But... <laughs> It's, uh, I, I don't want to get myself in trouble saying that that's where we can go, but I think that is the answer to a lot of these regulata- regulatory problems. So a
1: lot of people might go that route if they find that it's too limiting... Uh, being within SEC-only regulated exchanges.
0: Yeah, but I mean, the SEC is exerting jurisdiction in Austria. They just shut down one broker. So if you're selling to an American, the SEC has jurisdiction over that. So the decentralized exchange has to be actually decentralized right. and not a, not a hybrid. And yeah,
1: yeah, right. So where in America do you think is the best regulatory environment for blockchain companies?
0: Well, if everyone could adopt Wyoming's regulation, then we would have a utility token. Um, Wyoming, as, as you may know, um, back in, I think it was in March when they passed all those bills. It might have been earlier than March, but uh, Caitlin Long and a group of people in the Wyoming coalition got some very excellent laws passed, and one of them is that they, they created a utility token. So that utility token does not fall within the uh, securities law. It's something separate. It would be like selling your uh, tokens on eBay, where we don't have to uh, go through the whole SEC procedure to sell, for instance, if I wanted to resell my sandals. No one would probably want them. But because I don't know, pretty pretty know nice sandals like, there. comfortable, let me tell you. <laughs> nice arch support. <laughs> but because it's an actual physical good, it is not in the securities realm and so these utility tokens are likewise not in the securities realm but if they sell them to anyone outside Wyoming then they cross into so each there's a uh, supremacy clause where the federal Law takes pre like is more powerful than the state law, but you can do whatever you want in your own state without implicating the SEC, which is a federal law. So, if we were to, you and I created, um, you know, a strawberry token or something, and wanted to have an ICO in Wyoming and only sell it to Wyoming residents that would be possible. So the more people who adopt a Wyoming like
1: policy, the easier it will be like at least people in those states would perhaps be able to be involved in in ICOs, etc.
0: Correct, they could get reciprocity. Now A few states have tried. Um, I think Colorado put together a Colorado coalition and attempted it, and it didn't go through. So, um, if more the more states that try, but I think they're having trouble. As we've seen the results from last year's ICOs the states are pushing back and saying well is this good for our people to have a non-regulated crypto sale because it's looking like a lot of them are seeing exit scams or terrible results. And when the government regulates things like Bernie Madoff everything works out really well.
1: Uh, I have a question about like America as being a center for the blockchain world because we have Silicon Valley here and it seems to be a hub, a tech hub, but Perhaps if they don't adopt the right regulatory frameworks, I mean, a lot of companies are leaving. A lot of them are going to places like Malta or Gibraltar or Eastern Europe and trying out the the different regulatory frameworks there because the uh, American government does tend to be very heavy handed. Um, Even if companies do do that, do you think it helps? Because it does seem that the SEC has very long arms and if they're reaching into Austria, as you mentioned, perhaps even being overseas might not be that useful.
0: Yeah, it depends where the people running the company live too. There's a lot of rules around the tax side where if you reside in America and you're just doing business over the internet from a company registered in, say, Gibraltar, you're not subject to Gibraltar's tax laws. You're subject to your home countries. And the SEC kind of works in the same way. It's like a... Uh, where your primary business is generated, but also there's um, what's called the Commerce Clause, which means if you're using the um, roads or wires for commerce, then you have put yourself into the SEC's jurisdiction. So if you're a company and you send one email to an American, you've now and it's a sales solicitation, you've now used the wires for commerce. So SEC has jurisdiction. It's very, very broad. Wow. So you have to block Americans um, from your project if you're going to block the SEC. And I have a question about that. Let's say that I use some sort of a
1: VPN and I'm saying that I'm in Australia and not in America, or I'm saying that I'm in Mexico, for example. Um, am I the one liable for you know, if I enter into an agreement with people who've specifically blocked American? Does that fall on me, or does that fall on the company? Because I mean, they have no idea that I'm using a VPN.
0: Um, that's a difficult question for me to answer yeah. <laughs> without getting myself in trouble but the way I kind of see it is that if if someone's using a VPN you don't there are ways to detect that but it's putting a lot of burden on the company to actually do that so, so I, and I do see the government putting that
1: burden on companies, like, regardless. And just a disclaimer, Sasha is a lawyer in the crypto space. She's not your lawyer. So if you are looking into this, please do seek out specific legal advice uh, that is relevant to you. But thank you so much for chatting with me. This has been amazing. And what a wonderful backdrop yeah. here in Mexico. So thanks so much, Sasha. Oh.
0: Sasha. <laughs> thank you, Naomi. It's been a pleasure.
1: <laughs> for extra material and any links mentioned in this podcast, please visit NaomiBrockwell.com. If you'd like to watch the video version, please visit Naomi Brockwell TV on YouTube, BitChute or DTube. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future.